Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit be here this morning. Clean our hearts and open our minds and help us to receive your word and help us to learn the practical lessons that you have shown us in the, in the scriptures. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, Katie just asked me, I heard that you were sick. And um, are you feeling better? I said, yes. And I'm going to tell you why I got sick. Well, last weekend, my, my family had a reunion in Seattle, Washington. And so our whole family decided to go. But the day before, I started getting a little bit of a cold. And on the day that we were supposed to leave, I started getting really sick. I started coughing, I started having fever, I started having chills. And there were going to be about 30 people there. I said, I will not go because I don't want anybody else to get sick. So I slept for about 48 hours straight. <laughs> Sabbath morning came. And I said, God, why? I, I never got sick the whole year. Why this time? And I've been looking forward to this for almost a year. And um, at 9.30, I was still in bed. I usually go to church right, because I teach Sabbath school. I get a call, phone call. And on the line was a lady who I knew who was about almost 60 years old. And she said, she said, you know, um, I am so glad you, you answered the phone. Because I called about seven or eight people, nobody answered the phone. And you, if you didn't answer the phone, I was going to kill myself. I said, what? You're gonna kill yourself? Because she was so depressed. She was so depressed. Three weeks prior to this, she did try to commit suicide. She took 90 tablets of Valium oh. and 30 tablets of something called Ambien, oh. sleeping pill. Plus, she drank half a bottle of vodka. And she turned the bathtub on, and she did that in the bathtub with full of water. <laughs> so, but she survived. <laughs> Three weeks before. And so I knew this was serious, that she was going to actually kill herself. And then I realized re at that time, I know why I got sick. Amen. So, I stayed or, so I stayed with her on the phone from 9.30 to about one in, the, 1 in the afternoon. And trying to tell her, giving, giving her comforting words. But I read from Desire of Ages. There is a chapter called The Divine Shepherd. Have you heard of that? The chapter? Divine Shepherd. You can't hear me? You need to come up forward then. <laughs> and I started reading. I started reading from Divine Shepherd. And I said, Jesus knows us individually and is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows us all by name. He knows the very house in which we live, the name of each occupant. He has at times given directions to his servants to go to a certain street in a certain city, to such a house to find one of his sheep. Every soul is fully known to Jesus as if he were the only one for whom Savior died. 
It says, as a savior goes before his sheep, himself first encountering, encountering the pearls of the way, so does Jesus with his people. When he putteth forth his sheep, he goes before them. The way to heaven is consecrated by Savior's footprints. The path may be steep and rugged, but Jesus has traveled that way. His feet have pressed down the cruel thorns to make the pathway easier for, for us. Every burden that we are called to bear, he himself bore. It says, I know your tears, I have also wept. The griefs that lie too deep to be breathed into any human ear, I know. Think not that you are desolate and forsaken. Though your pain touch no responsive cord in any heart on earth, look unto me and live. As I was talking to her and praying with her, she calmed down, and I called her daughter in Virginia. You need to come down right now. It took seven hours for her to come down. So I went to her house and stayed there until about eight o'clock at night. And um, I was so thankful that I got sick. <laughs> That's the only time I was ever thankful that I was sick. <laughs> and because of that, I've been calling her every day, making sure she's okay. I was trying to get her help, psychiatric help, and also trying to take her to the ER. She refused to do any of that. But she reassured me time and time again, I will never do this again. And guess what? She is going to church. She said, I will go to church next Sabbath. And, um, you know, God will use you if you're willing to be used. And sometimes, you know, we, are, we get into a situation where we say, you know, I've been waiting for this reunion for a year, and I get sick. Now, what was more important, saving that person or going to the reunion? Well, I have to think about that one, but <laughs> I just, it was saving that person, right? Amen. I tell you, um, you know, they, they wanted me to tell many testimonies, so I'm going to tell you some more stories. I was going to um, California from Georgia last year to dermatology meeting, and before I went into the plane, I said, God, please use me today. And I had Petros and Prophets, and I was reading that. Next to me was sitting a lady. You know, this plane was equipped with um, a monitor on each seat. Have you ever been to one of those planes? Yeah. Anyway, she was playing this game where I guess they play with each other, other people, and you have to answer questions. And I was reading and kind of looking at what she was playing. And there was a question that came up she had a little trouble with. It was a medical question. And I said, it's C. And she put C, and it was right. And, and, and she said, how do you know that answer? I said, oh, because I'm going to a medical meeting. I'm a dermatologist. She goes, my husband is going to the dermatology meeting. She's a he's a dermatologist too. And I asked her, what is your name? She said, uh, my name is Danielle. What is your husband's name? Daniel. <laughs> okay, where, where do you live? Daniel Island, <laughs> South Carolina. And they said, she said, We're, we are building a house and uh, the builder's name is Danny. <laughs> and you know, guess what street she lives in? Buxley Lane. <laughs> 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 
Anyway, I said, <laughs> everybody says, yeah, Daniel Street? No, it's not. That's the only Danny that, didn't, that doesn't you know, relate to this story. But um, she said, you know, as she was telling me this story, I said, you know, there's a book in the Bible called Daniel. <laughs> Maybe uh, you should study that. <laughs> God is giving you so many hints. But um, I said, you know, I am reading this book called Petros and Prophets. And she said she just became a Christian, she and her, her uh, husband, both. And I said, this is a great book. If you really want to have insight into the Bible, you should read, read this book. And she said, okay. And I turned to the chapter called Test of Faith. You know what that chapter is about? Abraham and Isaac, right? And she read that book, I mean, read, read that chapter, and she started crying. And she said, this is the most beautiful rendition of that story. How can I get this book? I said, well, I will tell you, it's hard to get this book, so I will send you a set. In fact, it's one book out of the five-volume series. So I will send you, not only you, but I'd like to have you and your husband have this. So I'm going to send both of you a set each. And she said, you know, my boss is really seeking the truth. I said, well, okay, I will send your boss one too. <laughs> so I sent them three, and I found out she is an actress. She comes on like HBO, and I never heard of her or seen her on TV. I just have to go by what she says. But she, um, she says she came on some daytime uh, shows and all that. Anyway, I send it to her, and I got a beautiful letter from her saying how she and her husband enjoy those books. And my goal now is to drive to South Carolina to their house and to have a weekend Bible study with them Amen. on Book of Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't know where this is going to lead to, but this may lead to something great, you know. And um, when you travel in the plains, always carry something with you that is spiritual, okay? Because about um, two months ago, I was also going to California, and I had a book called Education. Now, I prayed again, God help me to sit by somebody who will be willing to listen to your word. <coughs> and so this person was sitting next to me. I was on the window seat. It was a two, you know, it was a two seat uh, row. And, um, and I was reading this book. He said, are you a teacher? I said, no, because the book says education. Said, this is actually a religious book. He goes, oh, it is. I said, would you like to read part of it? He goes, sure. And there's a, I was reading uh, Faith and Prayer in the in chapter in there. And I told him to read that chapter. And he was reading, and he was reading very slowly. I said, this should only take him maybe about 20, 30 minutes to read. But it took him more than an hour. <laughs> and I'm just waiting and waiting. And he, and he was making comments about the, each chapter. And I said, um, 
so why, you know, do you like this book? She said, I, lo I love this book. And um, I said, what do you do? So he told me his whole life story. And he said his father was a painter of homes. So when he was five years old, he started painting homes. So when he was 15 years old, he was an expert at painting. So he dropped out of school. And he started painting. He had 60 people working for him. He was doing really well. With that money and with his brother, he's, they started an internet company. They became multimillionaires. Okay? But 9-11 hit, and they became bankrupt overnight. And his wife left him. I mean, he was so depressed. No money. But this guy was so faithful. He said he, he's a Christian. He said he, no matter what happened, he gave tithe. Sometimes in a month, he'll give 30 cents tithe. But he gave tithe anyway. And um, the reason why he was so interested in that book, Education, because he dropped out of school to do painting business. So he always felt inferior. And, I, and so I said, do you know who wrote this book? What kind of education this lady had? And I said, this was, a, this was written by a third grader. And he goes, what? <laughs> and he felt like, wow, if third grade can write this book, <laughs> I have some hope. And, I, and then I asked him about what he's doing now. No, but before he, I, I asked him, he said, you are the person that I need for my board. I go, what? Yes. He and his brother started another company. God blessed him. It's a billion dollar company. He called Epic Passport. Anyway, he was telling me about his company and he said, they have six, six position for board. And he wants me to be one of the board members. And he said, the reason why is because they are run by a Christian. I mean, they're all Christians. They want to be a Christian organization, even though it's not a Christian thing they're doing. That is more secular thing to make money. But um, I found out that, you know, they're, they're based out of Chicago. He lives in California. So he said, I'd like to have that book. How can I get it? Can, may I get it? can I get it at Amazon or just regular Christian bookstore? I said, I don't know. I don't think you can get it through there. But I'd like to give you this book. So I signed my name. I, I said, to Daryl from your friend John. Gave it to him. Then he called me. He said, I'd like to get more of those books. I said, how many do you need? He said, 10,000. <laughs> I go, 10,000? I don't think I can get you 10,000 at this time, but uh, at least let me get you, send you 10. He said he went home and he just, only thing he talked about was our encounter. And so right now I have a date to see his entire board, and all the workers, to on a weekend to have a Bible study. And um, he said, I asked him, what do you do as, as a board member? Well, what you do is you can, you can direct us how to use the money. Hmm. Okay. Awesome. Well, our church, <laughs> our, church, our church needs a lot of money. <laughs> anyway, we don't know what's going to happen. I want you to pray for me Amen. for as we, you know, there so there's so many different things. If you're willing, if you're willing to be used of God, God will use you. When you get into the plane, 
you have a captive audience right next to you. They can't go anywhere. Only thing they can go is to the bathroom. <laughs> so, and they have to come back, you know? <laughs> and um, if you have something that is worthwhile for them to read or can share, I mean, it's perfect chance. Absolutely perfect chance. You know, um, this year I said, what if I, what if I use every single penny that I have earned this year to use for God? So you know what I decided to do? This year, I did not get one single penny for myself. Amen. I have a very busy practice, and God has blessed me with a lot of funds. So I decided this year, I'm going to use 100% for God's work and using, you know, winning souls. So I started looking. You know what? When you look, there's so many people in need. And you know, um, I, Chelsea yesterday read from, this is one of my favorite quotes. Ministry of Healing, page 143. It says, Christ's method alone. You know, you, this is a very famous, famous passage. Everybody should know. Christ's method alone will give true success in reaching the people. The Savior mingled with men as one who desired their good. He showed his sympathy for them, ministered to their needs, and won their confidence. Then he bade them, follow me. Ministry of Healing, page 143. So he mingled with men, and he desired their good, and he showed his sympathy for them, and ministered to their needs. And he won their confidence, right? You win their confidence by doing those first. You don't win their confidence by saying, okay, you guys, I'm going to tell you about the Sabbath. Who are you? This year, I bought three, three different people cars because they couldn't come to church or Bible study. You know, I tell you, do you think after they got their cars, they're more now prone to listen to me or not, or before? <laughs> Much more, right? Because I met their needs. And so this year through Bible study and using God's resources, we had five baptisms. And actually, I shouldn't say this year, it's because um, this year is 2010 now. <laughs> Last year. And we have three more people ready to get baptized. And you know, if we, get, if we use our resources and our time and our encouraging words, and we can reach just two people a year, you know, that's not very hard. Did you know that? We're so into ourselves, trying to build up our own empire and be comfortable. Guess what? One day, we're going to realize how much we waste, wasted. Because Ellen White, she makes a comment, says, only in heaven will we realize worth of one soul. Why don't we realize it's here? Why don't we believe that now? And start doing it here, now, right? And so, you know, if you look at... I'm going to tell you a story. That was not is my story. It's not my story, but somebody else's story. Have you heard of Sing Sing Prison? You know where it was located? Not, ta not Taiwan or China, no. New York. Sing Sing Prison was prison for the worst criminals, the murderers, 
I made the worst. The average stay for a warden, you know how long it was? 11 months. They couldn't stay any more than 11 months. One of them left after like three weeks. It was so bad. Until 1920, there was a warden named Lewis Laws. That's a good name for a warden, Laws. <laughs> L-A-W-E-S. And um, he stayed there for 21 and a half years. And so they asked him, what, was your, what is your secret? And he, he really revolutionized the entire, entire uh, prison system there. Not only that, his method is being used at other places. And they said, they asked him, how could you do this? 21 and a half years. And he said, it was not I who did this, but it was my wife. Wife named Catherine Laws. When they went there, they, she said, I'm going to help my husband. And I'm going to try to really help these prisoners. They had two little children. And they said, do not take your children in there. And don't, you don't go in there because you're going to get killed if you get in there. But she ignored all the plea of any, all the other people. And they said, she said, I'm going to go in there and try to be friends with him. So she took her two young children to watch the basketball game. The prison, prisoners playing with each other. And um, she decided to go in almost every day. And she met so many people who were in need. There was a person who was blind. So she learned Braille. And she taught this man Braille. So she could, he could read. And there was a person who was deaf. So she learned sign language so she can talk to this person. And she worked tirelessly. And after about 17 years, she tragically died in a car accident. And the, and the whole prison knew about this. And so next morning, all the prisoners were out at the gate crying. The warden didn't come in because he was with his wife. They lived about half a mile from the prison. And her body was at the house. And the assistant warden he made a bold choice. He said to them, I know you care about Catherine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let you go see her. No shackles, nothing. But we need to have you all come back. Now, these are murderers <laughs> in death row. But he let them go. They all walked. They all, at the end of the day, not one person escaped. They all came back. Because they respected her and loved her so much. Because she loved them. Because she showed sympathy. She mingled with them. And that's the way you reach people. Out of that, I don't know how many people became Christians, but I'm sure many did. 
If you look at Matthew 25, it talks about the sheep and the goats. The sheep and the goats. And I... We, we don't need to go through this story because everybody knows this. It's about Jesus saying, what you have done, what you have done to least of my brethren, you have done it unto me, right? Amen. Now, who were these people? There were people who were hungry, right? Thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, and who are in prison. Hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, and prison. And I was studying this, and I said, why did God make it so specifically hungry, you know, thirsty, stranger? Um, you know, why did he make it so, so specific? And I realized something as I was studying this. If you're hungry, what are you looking for? Food, right? Bread. When somebody is looking for bread, what should you do? Huh? You feed them, right? So you need to, that's the first part. You meet their need, right? Then you say, follow me. Not you, but follow Christ. You feed them, but you tell them who is the true bread of life. Who is that? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Thirsty. What do you do? You gain a friend by giving them drink, right? Not alcohol, water. <laughs> then... You show them to show them to Jesus, who says, "The water that I give you, that you will never thirst." Right? Amen. If you don't, if a person is hungry and thirsty, and you say, "I want to tell you about Jesus," what are they going to be thinking about during that time? During that time, they're going to say, "I'm so hungry. Why are you telling me this?" <laughs> But when they're full, and when they're, when they're no longer thirsty, what happens? They'll listen to you. Now, in Matthew 5, 6, it says, Blessed are they who are hungry and thirsty, hungry and thirsty for righteousness, and they shall be filled, right? Now, Christ is our, is our, what? Righteousness. Isn't that true? This is Christ's life. We teach them about the life of Jesus. Now, there are people who are in prison. They're actually in real prisons, and they're prisons in their mind, mentally stressed out. They're in situations where they can't get out of. They're in prison. Do you know any people like that? They may not be in physical prison. They may be in mental or spiritual prison. When you're in prison, what do you want? What do you want to do? You want to be free, right? You want to be free. You know what type of message that you need, you need to give them? Truth. truth. Why? It says the truth shall make you free. It's the truth that gives them freedom. Now, the Bible talks about two types of truth. Jesus says, I am the 
way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. And also in, I think, John 17, 17, it says, Thy word is truth. Teaching about Jesus' life, I mean, his teachings. The word of God. The word of God. The word of God would free anybody of any prison they're in. And naked, what did they want? These are very obvious questions. <laughs> if you're naked, you want clothes, right? Now, remember in Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve found themselves naked, weren't they? And they were trying to clothe themselves with fig leaves. But what did God do? God clothed them by killing a lamb, didn't he? That represents Jesus dying on the cross for us. The Lamb of God. He died. And that's the only way God could get the skin of a lamb, right? by killing the lamb. And that you can teach about the cross of Christ. It's the cross of Christ. Now, the people who are sick. I have a friend right now who is very sick. Sickness that can lead to death. What do they want to hear? Of course, they, want, they would like to, he, they'd like to be healed. But many die from their sickness. You know what is the greatest thing that you can teach them? It's about the resurrection. Amen. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. You teach them about resurrection. Now, if you're a stranger, what are you looking for? A home. Right? Why are you a stranger? Because you're not at home. If you're a stranger in your own house, it's, something's wrong with you. But the reason why you're, you're a stranger is because you're in a strange place. Right? So these strangers, you take them in, and you teach them about our heavenly home, the real home that is the home that Christ has prepared for us. So when you think about these characteristics of these people, I realized one thing. As I was studying this, hungry and thirsty, you tell them about Jesus' life. The people who are in prison, you teach them the truth, the Word of God. So life of Christ and the teachings of Christ. People who are naked, you teach them about Jesus' death. The person who was sick, you tell them about the resurrection. The person who is a stranger, you teach them about our heavenly home. What is that? It's a whole story of Jesus, his life, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, and his place that he's preparing for each one of us. So we, we give them real things in this life, what they really need. But none of those things really lasts. The car that I bought for somebody, do you think that'll last forever? Do you think that it'll take them to heaven? No, it's, a, it's just a means to reach their hearts. Wouldn't you like to have at least 10 baptisms a year from your Bible studies and by your teaching other people? Amen. Or reaching them of their needs, giving them their needs? 
I mean, if we can do that, if you can just reach 10 people every year, I tell you something, next year we're going to have about 50,000 people at GYC. <laughs> and this war can be finished because this is, it says Christ's method alone. This is a method. We meet their, meet their needs, show their sympathy, and you tell them, follow me. I'd like to, you know, um, I tell you, there's, through our, through the method of Christ, there's a person who decided he's going to become a minister. I mean, when I heard that, it was, I was, it thrilled my soul. Because I reached one person and decide, he, he decides he's going to become a minister. So he can reach thousands of people. In fact, he wants to be an evangelist. So he has an appointment with the uh, religion department head at Southern Adventist University next month. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it during the time when I was trying to help him. But because of this, he kept coming to the Bible study and he realized we have the truth. He said he wants to teach this truth to other people. You're, you're, you're sowing seeds by being kind to other people. This is Christ's method. You don't teach them the truth first time they meet them about, you know, I mean, if that's the only time, if, if you're on the airplane and you'll never see them again, then maybe you should, you know. There was a time when I was, I was sitting next to an atheist coming from L.A. to Atlanta, five-hour flight. This guy didn't have any place to go. He was, this guy was going to Israel. His stop was in Atlanta. So I talked to him about the existence of God for five hours. He never accepted it. At the, you know, at the beginning, he was very hostile. And, he's, and then I told him about what I believed, and he softened up. And at the end, as I was leaving, he says, have a wonderful day. I don't know where, I never saw him again. I don't know where, you know, he finally ended up. I don't know where he's going to eventually end up. But hopefully that sowed a seed. So, you know, God will, God has placed each one of us in situations where we can reach people. There's no excuse. There's absolutely no excuse. I mean, who wants to go to heaven? Would you, rather, would you like to go to heaven at the expense of others? Mm. Now, if you had a choice to save yourself or, other, or a different person, what would you, who would you choose? Did you know in the Bible, whoever said, what can I do to have eternal life? They all didn't make it. But I want to read something from here. Desire of Ages. Page 480. It is not it is not the fear of punishment or the hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow Him. Okay? It is not the fear of punishment or hope of everlasting reward that leads the disciples of Christ to follow Him. So it's not, the motivation is not going to heaven or going to hell. That is not the motivation that leads the disciples 
of Christ to follow him. They behold the Savior's matchless love revealed throughout his pilgrimage on earth. From the manger of Bethlehem to Calvary's cross, and the sight of him attracts, it softens and subdues the soul. Love awakens in the heart of the beholder. They hear his voice and they follow him. You know, I have a um, Baptist couple who's just about to get baptized. And um, their biggest fear at the beginning was not being burnt in hell <laughs> for eternity. You know, they believe that, you know. And I met, have you heard of the Thousand Missionary Movement? Anyway, well, I went there to speak one time. And there was a man during the lunchtime, he said, I would like to eat. I don't want to eat in the sanctuary because there was, you know, there was only one building and we had to worship there and eat there. And he said, I don't want to eat in the sanctuary. And, and I said, why not? Because this is God's holy place. And so he, he went outside and he ate out on the outside. I said, wow, this guy is very serious about, you know, his beliefs, and I, I really respected that. So I went outside to eat with him, and I found out that he was a Baptist, and he wanted to be a missionary, and he was a teacher, and he decided he's not going to be a teacher anymore. He wants to be a missionary in South, South America. And so I said, why in the world are you here? This is an Adventist, you know, run program. But he said, you know, I just looked up places where they do mission and mission work, and I found, says, mish, thousand missionary movements. So I want to be a missionary. I said, why do you want to be a missionary? And this is what he said, because I don't want to burn in hell forever. I said, what? That's the reason why? Yeah, I don't, I don't really want to burn in hell for eternity. Billions and trillion years later, I'm still burning. I just can't take that. <laughs> I said, I can't take that either. So let me tell you about the real truth about hell. And this guy became a missionary. He wrote me a letter. Now he's an Adventist. <laughs> because of that one truth. And I said, you need to be motivated to go as a missionary because you love Jesus, Amen. not because you, don't, you want to burn. You don't want to burn. You know, that's, that's, if you can teach Baptists about the non-existence of everlasting hell, you're going to give them a lot of relief and give them true motive to become living a Christian life. They're holy. They live a good life because they don't want to burn. But it is Christ that attracts, right? That's why we have such a beautiful message. We have the greatest understanding of the love of God and the cross of Christ. That's why I believe our church is the last day church, because of that understanding. When you have this love for God, you want to do the same thing for other people, don't you? Right? I'd like to end with a story that I read. It's a true story about there was a... Um, these narcotic detectives raided a loft apartment in a depressed neighborhood in New York City. And they went in there, they were shocked. They, it was dingy, 
dingy rooms and corridors, and they were crowded with twisted, ill-fed, and ill-clothed derelicts. And there were needles. And um, obviously, these were drug abusers. And they were living in this building. And out of this human scrap heap, the police arrested a man. The detectives charged him with harboring drug addicts. Drug addicts. At police headquarters, the meek looking and mild mannered man claimed that he had chosen to live among these people to provide them with food, shelter, and clothing. His door was open to all. He did not realize that he was breaking the law in, a, in extending compassion. Investigation revealed that the man was neither a vagrant nor a drug dealer. The dedicated man turned out to be John Sergeant Cram, a millionaire who had been educated at Princeton and Oxford. So you use his education, he had this high education, he had all the money in the world. He decided to live with these, these people. After his trial and acquittal, he said to the reporter, I don't know if my work does any good, but I don't think it does any harm. I'm quite happy, you know. I am anything but a despondent person. Call me eccentric. Call, call it my reason for being. I have no other. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to reach those who are dying all around us. Help us to use our means, our time, and our energy, and our words to reach these people who are dying. Help us to realize on this earth worth of a soul, not when we go to heaven. Help us every day to live according to your will and follow the example of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. This media was produced by Audioverse for GYC, Generation of Youth for Christ. If you would like to learn more about GYC, please visit www.gycweb.org. Or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.